0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is awesome to see you guys. My name is Zach. I am the student pastor here. So I get to hang out with all of our middle schoolers, high schoolers, and young adults. So we're taking a little bit of a a pivot here this morning. Uh, Pastor Mike is okay, just feeling a little under the weather. So just go ahead and definitely be praying for him, praying that he gets healthy and he's back to himself and feeling good soon. So I get the opportunity to jump in and speak with you guys this morning. So here's what we're doing. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to be here. We are still jumping into our series called All In. So we're kicking this off today. And I think it's just really important that I just say this. And I know I'm speaking for Pastor Mike and from um, really all of our church and all of our pastoral staff. As we get ready to start this series All In, right? It's important to know that these doors are open for everyone, Right? This is a place where everyone is welcome. This is not some Christian club where we come here and we all act like everything is perfect. Right? The doors are open to anyone, that you are welcome to just come and check things out here. That you are welcome to come and just see what's really going on here. What's this thing that's happening where these people are just so excited for Jesus? You are welcome here and accept Jesus at your own pace. But what is so exciting about starting this series, All In, is what you see from many of us is there's a lot of us who have been just like radically impacted by Jesus, where Jesus has truly changed everything about our lives. And what we are so passionate about is, again, we will never judge you or put pressure on you to accept Jesus, but you better understand that we won't stop talking about how amazing it is to follow him when you are all in. All in. And so we want to start this year off understanding what does it look like to really understand and accept and to step into what Jesus says to live life and life to the full, right? Jesus says, if you want to experience life to the full, you got to give me everything. And so we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks about what it looks like to be all in, right? What can 2024 look like when we do that? And so I got the opportunity to speak um, last Sunday at my dad's church um, up in Diamond Bar about talking about a life of impact. And so just kind of jumping in here today for Pastor Mike, I'm really excited to bring that message here to us. Right, for the first reason, I think it really fits well into understanding what it looks like to be all in. But secondly, I really believe that 2024 can be the year of impact. Like I really believe that. Right, I think this year can really be the year that our church is a church of impact. Right, I think that 2024 can be the year that our life is a life of impact. If we choose to make 2024 the year that we are all in, um, I'm excited to share this with you t- guys today because again, this can be the year of
1: impact.
0: It was a couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to um, talk with our high schoolers and we were going through 1 Thessalonians and we got to the place there where we were talking about Jesus's return. And so we asked a fun question to our high schoolers and we just said, hey, what would you guys feel like if with no warning, Jesus returned like today, right? How would you feel about that? Right? Would that make you excited? Would you be a little scared? Like, what do you think Jesus would say to you? Like, how would you feel about that? And so, of course, we got some mixed answers from our students. You know, it's always fun talking to teenagers, right? Some of them are like, "Yeah, like I'm ready, let's go." And um, understandably, a lot of them were a little hesitant and kind of like, "I don't know. I think I'd be a little scared. Like, I don't know what to expect." And so, I got a chance to give my answer to this question, and I think when I answered, it might have surprised everyone a little bit because when I said, I said, "You know what?" I think I would actually be kind of scared for Jesus to return because I don't want him to return yet. Right, this part of everyone goes, huh? And what do I try to explain to them what's important for us to understand here today is I'm not scared for Jesus to return because I don't know where I'm going, but I think it's really important that every single believer understands what it means to know that when Jesus returns, we know where we're going, right? It's the gospel that I believe in where I understand that I am not perfect, that I make mistakes. In fact, I still say to this day, I'm like a broken stick God uses to draw a straight line, right? It's my faith in the finished work of the cross that his perfection covers me, right? It's my belief in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead. You will be saved. I don't doubt where I'm going. However, for Jesus to return would mean that my life would be over. And I just don't really feel like I've used my life enough to make the kind of impact that I wanted to make with my life. Right? It's actually because I believe the gospel is so powerful, because I believe Jesus truly is the answer that the world is looking for, because I understand this life is so temporary and eternity is forever, right? And if that's true, like what greater purpose could there be than to point people to the eternal Savior? I just want to be able to stand before Jesus knowing that my life was used to make an impact. I feel like my job as a pastor, like the primary thing, like I feel like I have to keep reminding people every opportunity I get, right? The responsibility I feel like I've been given is to keep reminding people that there will come a day where every single one of us will stand before Jesus. All of us, no matter what you believe, when you live, you will stand before him. So here's what that means. That means that everything in your life, the moment you were born till you take your last breath and everything you did in between then, it is ultimately leading somewhere. Right? Every day we're breathing, we are getting closer and closer to that single one most significant moment in our life where we will stand before Jesus. So don't forget it. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but the Bible actually talks about there's going to be two different kinds of judgments for us. Right, the first judgment that talks about is the one we often think about, right? When we think about like Judgment Day, like the, the the scary one, right? It's talked about in Revelation twenty, right? The Great White Throne Judgment, right? For those whose names are not found in the Book of Life, it says they'll be cast away away from God for all of eternity. Right, that's the scary one. The second judgment, though, the one that we often don't talk a whole lot about, is the judgment actually for believers. Right. Thankfully, this one's a little bit less scared because this isn't a judgment for our sin. Right. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin has been paid for, yet there's still going to be a judgment. However, this one comes with rewards, but there's still accountability. Right. Paul talked about this. It's talked about in the New Testament. Jesus talked a lot about it. He talked a lot about it in Revelation. And in fact, his very last words, the last red letters you're going to see in your Bible in Revelation 22. In fact, I think I have the verse up here. It says this, so Jesus says in the very last things he says in like the last page of the Bible, he says, look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. There is one faith, right, that equally saves us. But what we do with this free gift that we've been given, what we do in this life, it still matters. And this is so important I think for us as believers to know because it's if we don't know this there's someone else who definitely knows this. And he's our enemy. We call him the devil. And what he understands is that if he cannot take away your salvation, once someone has put their faith in Jesus, there's nothing he can do to take away someone's salvation, right? There's no height, there's no depth, there's no life, no death, nor angels, nor demons, right? Nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So he knows if he cannot take away our salvation, he at least wants to do everything he can to take away our impact for the gospel with our life. And so he does this in all kinds of ways. He'll do everything he can to try to distract us. Right, to get so focused on the things of the world, so focused on living for today that we forget there's a whole eternity that we're moving towards. He'll do everything he can to condemn us and to discourage us. So when we look at our life and we go, man, there's no way God would want to use someone like me. There's no way. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's way better people. Like, I, I, I'm not as good as them. Or, I mean, I still sin so much and I still got all these problems. And he will try to condemn us in such a way that we end up living our whole life of no impact. If he knows he cannot take our name out of the book of life, he will do everything he can to have us live our life with little impact for the gospel. I listen, I don't know if you're, if you're here on this with me today, but man, if you're with me, wouldn't it just be so awesome to live our life in such a way when we stand before Jesus when that day comes that we can hear the greatest thing to ever be told? Well done, good and faithful servant. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna just talk to us a little bit about that today, right? What does it look like to live a life of impact? What does it look like to live our life in such a way to hear those amazing words, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's pray and I'm excited to talk with us about this today. Father, I just pray, Lord, you, you reveal to us, Lord, this assignment that you've given us. Lord, I pray you reveal to us, God, no matter how far we are from you this morning, no matter how, how zealous we are for you today, God, Lord, there is something that you have to speak to us today. Lord, I pray if there's someone in here who maybe even came, not even knowing if they believe in you, not even knowing, God, if you're, if you're listening to them, not even understanding if you really care about them. I pray, Lord, they understand that you have a word for them today, that you love us, that you've called us, and Lord, that you've given us purpose with every day we get to live. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to look today in the gospel of Matthew. Right? We're going to look at something called the Olive Discourse. Right? The reason why it's called this is because Jesus, when he was entering his last days before he would go to the cross, he entered Jerusalem and he was on the Mount of Olives. And his disciples, they were with him and they started asking him some questions. And I love the disciples because they asked him the same questions I think we would want to ask him. And they started asking him, Jesus, tell us what the end of the world is going to be like. Like, what are going to be the signs of the end times? And so Jesus actually begins to go and tell them. And he kind of explains to them in this complex way, like, what the end of the world is actually going to be like. Like, what to look for as the signs of the end times. And the disciples had this, probably the same confused look that we have. If you've ever read Matthew 24, you're just like... Okay, cool, but what in the world does this mean, Jesus, right? And I'm sure they had that confused look, and I don't know exactly what Jesus said, but he probably saw the confused look on their face and maybe said something like, listen, I can see you guys are confused. Let me tell this again, but in a story. And what he does, he begins to tell them actually three stories back to back to back. The first story he tells them is a parable of the virgins. Then secondly, he tells the parable of the talents. And thirdly, he tells the parable of the sheeps and goats. Right, really just to simplify this, the lesson in each of these, what Jesus tells us, he goes, listen, if you want to stay ready for my return, the parable of the virgin, the lesson there is stay ready. Don't forget the king is coming back. Jesus is returning. Don't forget it. Don't miss the party when he returns. Stay ready. And then he tells the parable of the talents. And the lesson there is, listen, there is accountability. Don't waste the life that God has given you. And thirdly, the parable of the sheep and goats, the lesson there is, listen, use your life to then care for who God cares most for, right? The lost and the hurting, right? In other words, Jesus says, if you want to be ready for when I return, live your life in such a way as to depend on the gospel, to declare the gospel and to demonstrate the gospel. If you live your life in this way, you are going to be so ready when Jesus returns. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to focus right on that middle parable, Right, the parable of the talents. And we're gonna read it, and we're gonna try to understand as best we can, what does Jesus really expect of us in the way to live our life in such a way to live a life of impact, to live our life in such a way as to receive that amazing statement, well done, so here's how the parable starts. In verse, it's in Matthew 25. It's gonna be up on the screen too. Um, again, the note sheets are a little bit different. Like I said, we took a pivot, so we're still starting all in, but you can use your note sheets to write, but none of the notes um, are gonna be for today's message, but you can still follow along on the slides. So Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, here's what Jesus says. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another, one. To each according to his ability, then he went away. So, right away, I mean, just basically what Jesus is illustrating here is there's a very wealthy man, and he's entrusting some of his money to his employees, or as it's talked about here, his servants. Right? It was his money that he chose to give to them. Right? And again, a talent is just, they, scholars just say it's like, a, it's roughly like 20 years worth of wages. So, it's a large sum of money. So we can just really simplify it and just understand like one man was given, let's just say $5 million. Another man was given $2 million. Another man was given $1 million. And an important point to to understand here before we even jump into it is none of these men like did anything to earn this money, right? Uh, The master just chose to give them this money on his own accord. And so to understand the story, it's really simple to understand how we all fit into this. It's really clear, right? Jesus is the master. We are the servants and the talents just represent everything in our life as given to us as a gift from God. So here's the first point we're going to look at today. If we want to live our life as a life of impact, number one is we have to stay ready. So here's where it picks up in verse 16. So Jesus says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, here's the key point of this verse right here. Catch this. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Jesus is coming back, he is returning. We are living in an expectant waiting, knowing that our king, that our savior is returning. And I know there's many of us as believers that are here today that are just like look forward to that day with so much excitement, and we should. But I want to just kind of push back just like a little bit on us today. Because I know we kind of look around at how broken, like messed up the world is. We go, Jesus, can't you just please return? Like this is so like messed up. Maybe look at your the debt you have and you go, Jesus, please. I want to stop making these payments. Can you just please return? I don't know how many of you guys are parents of any, you guys parents of any kids under five? I got three kids, okay? I, I, I remember when I was younger, maybe even like around 18 or so, right? The end times was like so cool to me. Like, I always was like, Revelation, end times. Like, it's all like, I was, it's all cool and it still is. But I remember I didn't really want Jesus to return. I wanted to just have kids. I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to know what they would look like. I'm like, Jesus, can you return? But can you just wait for me to have kids? I want to just know what that's like, but now I'm here and I got twins that are four and a two-year-old. And I'm like, holy cow, no one told me how hard this is. Like, I'm ready for you to return, Jesus. Like, it's good enough. I, I, I got enough of it. Can you return? I love my kids, but, you know, it can be. There's some days where you make that prayer. No judgment. <laughs> but here's what I want to push back on us for, for a little bit, right? There is significant purpose to what God is doing here and now, and God's timing for what he is doing is so big and so purposeful to what is happening here now in this life. In fact, Peter, one of, the, one of the apostles, the apostle Peter, during his day, right, had been years now since Jesus was returning. And they, too, were living in expectant waiting for Jesus to return. And there were some believers that were getting antsy. There were non-believers who were criticizing. Right, The believers were going like, Jesus, we're under so much persecution. Like, what's going on? Like, can you hurry up and return? And Peter, he had, he had to write this. And he wrote this to the people of his day. And here's what he said in 2 Peter 3, 9. He said, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What that means is right now, God is building his kingdom and his kingdom is his people. I mean, just think about this right now. I don't know if you've ever even thought about this, but do you understand that there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about there's gonna be like new babies being born in heaven? Right? There's gonna be no new souls created in heaven. I haven't read that anywhere in the Bible. So what that means is it just shows like how much incredible significance there is to this life. And I know oftentimes we talk about in church like, you know, this life is so short and eternity is forever and we almost kind of like want to just write off this life like, let's just get to eternity. Don't forget this life is so short it doesn't matter but there is so much value and significance to what is happening here right now. What is happening in this life right now is affecting what is going to happen for all of eternity. And right now there are people being saved and God is still building his kingdom. Just think, if Jesus would have came back even five years, 10 years, 20 years ago, right? How many of us would have not been ready for it then? Right, God is still moving and there are still lives being saved. And if you're still breathing, God's work is not finished. I, I wanna just share this story with you guys right now and I hope this is encouraging for us to hear because maybe right now as I'm going through this, you're starting to feel maybe, I don't know, a little discouraged, Right? Maybe you, you feel like you've been living your life and you've kind of been on the fence with Jesus kind of often. you haven't really been like all in and maybe you've kind of lived almost all of your life and you're just feeling a little discouraged. Like, man, I feel like I've wasted so much time. Like, is there a point for me to give it all I got? Like, I'm gonna stand before Jesus and just feel guilty. Like, I wasted my whole life not following you. Here's what I wanna show you guys right now. That the moment you step into saying, I'm all in with you, Jesus, here I am. God, use me. The moment you do that, you're gonna see that there is no wasted time with God. There has never been a wasted relationship with God, that God will use everything in your life to make an impact through you, right? You can put the picture up there. This was just a couple weeks ago. I got a chance to baptize my friend, Ryan. And what's really cool about this, this was just a special one for me. I know I've shared this with some of us here before, but uh, there was a time in my life, I grew up in the church, my dad's a pastor, got baptized when I was 10, but long story short, there was a moment, especially in my teenage years, that I completely, as I walked away from God, I walked away from my family, I walked away from my faith, I walked away from the church, and I just got bought into all the lies that are being just thrown at teenagers right now that, hey, when you're young is when you gotta party and live it up, and these are years to be wild, and I unfortunately just bought into all that and drugs, and Alcohol and partying just like completely took over my life at one point. Ryan was one of the friends, like when I was first kind of starting down that road, like early on in high school, um, you know, me and Ryan became friends and we weren't going to Bible studies. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Fast forward 14 years ish. I'm here at this church now. And Ryan actually reached out to me and said, like, hey, you know, would I be able to come to your church? Like, would I be welcomed? Could I come there? And of course I was like, yes, come. And he came on this Sunday and he gave his life to Jesus. And like two weeks later, I got to baptize him, which is amazing. We can celebrate that as a total God win in his life. But here's all. here's the big reason why I'm sharing that with us here today is because what the enemy thought that he had brought together for destruction, God ultimately used for his victory, that we both got to stand in that water as two men who are saved by the blood of Jesus. And that when you give your life to Jesus, there is nothing that is wasted. There is no relationship that God won't use. There is nothing that God will waste. No time is wasted with God. When you simply just stay ready and say, God, I'm here, I'm ready. Use my life. When you stay praying, God, how can you use me? God, how can I make an impact? When you just simply stay available, God will blow you away. And he will reach people you never thought that he would use you to reach when you just stay ready. So stay ready. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted relationships with God. Stay in the game, stay available. Here's the second thing um, we learned from this parable when it comes to living a life of impact is number two is do not compare. Here's how the parable picks up. It says, and he would receive the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Right, two people were given two different levels of responsibility. Right, for one, that meant they were given five talents and they doubled it to 10. To the other, it was given two talents and he doubled it to four. Right, if we're to understand this as like measurement standards, by measurement standards, if we're equating like this to making an impact, right, from a measurement standard, five made a way bigger impact right than two. And if we're listening to this, and if Jesus came to you and just said, hey, you have an option. Do you wanna make an impact like five or do you wanna make an impact like two? Like we know two still makes an impact and that's awesome, but why would we not wanna pick five? Like all of us are like, yes, I wanna make an impact. Like use me. I I wanna be used in the biggest way possible, God. All of us would wanna pick five. Why would we not? But the one who was given two, that's just what was given to him. That's what was assigned to him. I remember early on when I was like first starting in student ministry, I was up in Sacramento. It had been like a year now, and um, not that I really know what I'm doing now, but I felt like back then I was still just like all passion and like no ability. And I and I took a few youth students to this huge conference, like with like 3,500 other students there. And they brought out this speaker. His name was Robert Madu, Maybe you've heard of him. He's a popular speaker. He's a pastor right now down in Dallas. And man, when he started speaking to these kids, man, he just like lit them up. And he brought home like an awesome message that just like rocked it. And I remember sitting. I was like in one of the front rows. And I remember getting like a little discouraged watching him. Because as I started looking at him and seeing the way he spoke, I mean, the first thing that crossed my mind is like, man, I'll never be as like popular or famous as, as he is. I'll never be able to preach like that. I'll never be able to be a pastor like he is. And I started just thinking like, man, what about me? Like, I'll, I'll never be able to make an impact like, like he does. But the reason why I love this parable so incredibly much is because Jesus' focus, understand, was not on the measurement of impact, but on the faithfulness of fulfilling what was assigned to them. Jesus says that you will not be judged by your fruit, but you're gonna be judged by your faithfulness, right? Both of them had different measures of impact, but both of them received the same reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. We will not be judged by our measurement. We're going to be judged by what was assigned to you. Were you faithful with what God has given you? Comparison is always going to be the biggest killer to experiencing joy within the purpose that God has given you. Right Here's the good news to that is that you don't need to be a pastor to make an impact. Right, that you don't need to spend a million dollars to feel like you're making an impact if you don't have that. That you don't need a million followers on social media to use your platform with what God has given you to make an impact. That you don't need to speak in front of 5,000 people to make an impact when you have little ones at home who are impacted by every single word you say. So as you start thinking about this for yourself and going, what does this mean for me in my life? You have to just start asking yourself, I think, these questions. Right, who are the people that God has placed in my life right who is my sphere of influence who's around me right what do i have what has god given me to be faithful with and where has god placed me to make an impact and so as you're thinking about that right now here's the third point here's the last part of the parable right to use what god has given you if you want to make an impact with your life you have to use what god has given us so here's how he concludes he says he who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, "'I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, "'and gathering where you scattered no seed. "'So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. "'Here you have what is yours.' "'But his master answered him, "'You wicked and slothful servant, "'you knew that I reap where I had not sown "'and gather where I scattered no seed. "'Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. "'And at my coming, I should have received "'what was my own with interest. "'So take the one talent from him "'and give it to the one who has ten talents.' For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, in that place where there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. So a really tough thing to hear for, for this. But what Jesus is basically saying here is he's showing us what can happen to a life when we lose focus of what's actually important. When we waste our life working towards the things that don't actually matter. I mean, just think about it. This one servant, he probably worked harder than all the other servants. I mean, he had to dig a hole. And he had to dig a hole to bury like a million dollars. I'm sure that wasn't easy. That took hard work. And on top of that, he had to make sure that no one else was watching where he was burying that. And once he got it buried, I mean, think about it. He had to like put stakes out to make sure like no one else is going to steal this. And he had to watch over. And he's probably stressing every day going, man, when is he going to come back? I got to make sure I have this ready for him. He worked hard. But what was the result for him? All of his hard work and all of his abilities that he put into his work was towards the wrong things. Everything we do in this life is either going to bring reward or it's going to bring regret. We, are we living a life of faithfulness? Are we living a life of fear? there's a really cool story I wanna share with you guys. I came across this story as I was kind of preparing this. Uh, It happened a while ago in 1982, a little past my day, or before my day. Um, It it was a a horrible, horrific airplane crash. In 1982, it was from Air Florida Flight 90, um, and it crashed in a river in Washington, D.C. And because it was snowing so hard, and because it was the middle of the winter when this plane crashed, most of the people um, didn't survive the plane crash, but there were many who did, and they swam to the surface. But the problem was, is there was so much ice and, and snowfall that the rescue boats couldn't get out to them. And so while they're screaming for help, trying to survive, asking for someone to come save them, they had to go um, get a helicopter to come and rescue them. The problem was that the snowfall was so heavy and the fog was so dense that the helicopter couldn't quite find its way to the river. Well, eventually it does get there. It just took a long time. And so by the time the helicopter gets there, it drops a rope in hopes for people to grab onto it for them to be saved. Because this was such a big commotion, and the plane crash, I'm sure, was loud, and it was a horrific scene of people screaming and asking for help, there were a ton of bystanders that came to just simply watch like this horrific scene unfold, hoping that all these people would survive. One of the people that came to watch this was this man named Lenny Skutnik. And what he saw is he saw there was a ton of people who needed to be saved. And as the helicopter began to fly over, it dropped the rope, and people would grab on and was able to save a couple people. But then eventually the rope dropped in front of the flight attendant, one of the flight attendants of the plane. And she tried to grab onto it, but something happened. I'm sure she was freezing. Something happened where she slipped. And the helicopter, and she dropped back into the water, and the helicopter moved on to other people. Well, now because she fell, this was now right in front of Lenny, right? He saw there were a ton of people being saved. He knew that he couldn't save everyone, but now right in front of him was this flight attendant. And because she dropped from the plane, she was entering at a hypothermia. She was on like a huge block of ice and she was trying to paddle for her own life. And she was moments away from drowning and dying. And so without hesitation, he jumped into the water to save her. And because there was a bunch of commotion going on already, the newscast programs were already out there. So when he jumped into the water, they were there to record the whole thing. This is why, it's a little blurry, it's from 1982, but they captured the whole thing. And when he actually saved her, right, he instantly became like this national hero. And so later on, they asked him, like, why would you do that? Like, no one else did that. Why would you risk your own life to jump into the freezing water to save someone else? And I read that, here's what he said. He said, listen, I couldn't save everybody, but I knew I could make a difference for this one person, right? Lenny knew that he couldn't be a high impact person for everyone, but now right in front of him was the opportunity for him to be a high impact person for this one lady who needed him. Listen, for us, what greater reward could there be than to know that your life was used to make a difference to someone else's eternity? That you were able to use your life to help point someone else to the eternal savior in Jesus. Listen, there are things in our society that get high esteem as like high impact, you know, respectable things. Like people will praise someone who's able to speak in front of large crowds and to save a thousand people on one night. And then there are other things that don't quite get the same respect and esteem like being a stay at home parent, raising godly children. But what we learn from this parable, in Jesus' eyes, every single thing matters. It is all equal in his eyes. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what was assigned to me? Right? As difficult as raising kids are, God has chosen you for this. It is the assignment that he has given you. Listen, I, I hear a lot of the tea about how uh, controversial some work environments can be. Right? I don't know what your situation is like, but maybe even as toxic as it is at your work, as, as annoying, maybe as your coworkers possibly could be. God has chosen you for this assignment to represent Jesus to where you are at. The neighbors that are around you understand that God has chosen you for that assignment. That is not an accident that you are there, right? Your kids. If you serve here in student ministry or or kids ministry or anywhere at this church, the fact that you are here at this church is a sign that God has chosen you to be a part of this, to make a difference. You have been given an assignment for this. And Jesus, again, he's not looking at the, the measurement of how much we impact, he's judging us of have we been faithful to give it everything we got to make an impact to what God has assigned to us. So just to recap this here for us, I wanna just give us just a couple action points to think about, right to take this home with us. And if you wanna write this down on your phone, I recommend that. If you wanna just listen, of course, that's totally okay. You can still try to write it on the note sheets. But when it comes to this, like, what is again, what does this look like for me? How do I make an impact for what's assigned to me? How do I even begin to really understand what exactly has been assigned to me? Like, what does this look like? Here's the first question we wanna ask ourselves is what do you have that belongs to Jesus? As you're thinking about that right now, I got a little hint for us that I think can help us in this. Okay, you ready for this? Don't miss it, here's the hint. What do you have that belongs to Jesus? everything, everything. And it's hard, I know, for some of us to really, like, understand what that means, right? Because for a lot of us, right, we've worked really hard. It's not easy to live down here in South Orange County, right? You can't just, like, sleep all day and just be able to live. You have to work hard, right? For many of us, we've built the life we have because we worked hard for the opportunities that were given to us, right? We have the life we have because we go, man, I worked hard for this. And that's true, but, man, I could push back on this all day, Right? Who gave you the mind you have to be able to work hard? Who gave you the drive inside of you? Who allowed you to be healthy without any health complications to be able to live the life that you've lived? Who allowed you to be born in the time and the place that you were born in? Listen, we can talk about this all day, but everything you have has ultimately been given to you by God. Right? Your mind, your drive, your money, your house, your kids, all of it. We live in the world that God created for us. So enjoy this life, live it well, but understand it is a gift given to you, so steward it well well. So maybe just think like in my life, what is it that God has given me? Right? What resources do I have? Who is it that's in my life? And then secondly, ask yourself this, what are you doing with what belongs to Jesus? Right? If your mind, your body, your family, your kids, your money, your time, your house, like if everything, all of it belongs to Jesus, how are you aiming to please him with what you have? I love the way the Apostle Paul puts this. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. There's not a slide for this, but he says this. He says, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. What that means is whether we're away and we're on the clock and we're giving it all we got and we're working hard and we're on mission or whether we're at home, And we're off the ministry clock and I'm hanging out and I'm just trying to relax. And I'm by myself wherever I'm at, whether I'm at work or whether I'm home or whether I'm away. Everything I'm doing, every single moment, I'm making it at least my aim to please him with everything I do. So if you don't know how to answer this question, just start praying and asking Jesus, Jesus, what can I do with what you have given me? Right, where can I serve? What do you want me to do with my money? How can I build your kingdom? Who can I be praying for? Who do you want me to be spending my, my time with? Who can I be discipling? Jesus, how do you want to use what you have given me? And here's the last thing to ask yourself. What do you want to hear when you meet Jesus? What do you want to hear when you meet him? You know, as a pastor, I've, you know, gotten a chance to talk to a lot of people about their faith. And I've learned there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of believers who are really uneasy about that moment of meeting Jesus, who are really kind of have this hidden fear that that's gonna be a scary moment for them. And the reason for that is, is because as much as we love Jesus, as much as we wanna praise him, we understand that following him is this imperfect process, right? There's days where we're gonna be on fire. There's days where we're gonna do great. And there's other days we're gonna mess it all up. There's moments where we're still gonna do things that we know are wrong. There's still things that we're trying to get over. There's still decisions we we make that we know aren't right. And so we have this fear of like, man, I I know I love Jesus, but I can't quite follow him as good as I want to. This is why we don't put our faith in the things that we do. We put our faith in the finished work of the cross that we put our faith in the fact that Jesus has taken all of our sin off of us and placed it on him, that we now have the freedom to live our life, to grow towards Jesus, to love him and to allow him to start changing our heart, to start desiring the life that he desires for us. And when you live in this freedom of knowing, man, I am totally not condemned by God. I am totally free of judgment. I have received the status that God sees me as his son. I am fully loved by God. Now, all we have to ask ourselves is now, how do I wanna use this free gift? Do I want to hold on to this myself or do I want to be a person who makes an impact? If I know how good God is, do I care enough about other people to let them know they can have this too? A life that earns well done is not on results, it is on the faith it takes to trust God with our choices that will bring impact. Meaning that this year, like right here, right now, no matter what's happened yesterday, we don't follow a God of yesterday, we follow a God of today and tomorrow. Meaning God is always willing to meet you here right now where you're at. And in this moment, you can make a choice to say, man, I am ready for 2024 to be the year of impact. God, I need you to impact me. Impact my heart, God. I want to start desiring the things you desire. I want to start living for the vision that you have. I want to start living for your kingdom, God. Impact me. Impact me. God, use my life now to make an impact. I don't know how you wanna use my money, but I want it to be towards your kingdom. God, I don't know how you want me to serve in your church. I don't know where it's at, whether it's stacking chairs or leading a life group. Baba, just use me to impact the church that you have called me to. God, shape me to be the kind of father, to be the kind of mother that I need to be to bring an impact to my family. What if we started really living every day as if it's our last? What if we really started making it our aim to live every single day to please God, knowing today could be the day that Jesus returns? What if we really started praying like we believe that God can still do it, that we prayed with faith going, God, if you haven't done it yet, I'm not giving up because I know that you can do all things, that you have been chosen for the assignment that God has given you to live every day to make an impact with what God has. And I'll just say this last thing right now. When it comes to rewards, I'm gonna be real honest. I don't exactly know what that's gonna look like in heaven. It's not quite clear, right? And maybe I just gotta study a little more, but I'll be honest, I don't know what rewards are exactly gonna look like, but I know this without a doubt, that there's no possible way that there could be any greater reward when we get to heaven than knowing that we were able to use our life, that we made ourselves available and through us, God worked in us to make a difference in someone else's eternity. I mean, what greater reward could there be than that? Than knowing that we led a life moving towards eternity and we gave it everything we got to be all in to make an impact. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.